0: There's an amazing amount of success I've seen in our world from being able to lead, which means support whoever you're getting direction from. Give them everything that they need in order to make decisions. So go with your schedules, go with your your ideas. Like, hey, I know, you know, on your three-week look ahead, you have this and then this and then this. What if we swap that because it helps you, you know, we're not trying to cross this trench with your guys loading sheetrock instead. So be that support for your GC. It makes your site super love you. You enjoy working with him. It makes the project smooth, makes it profitable. It's sustainable.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the ConExpo Egg podcast. I am your host, as usual, Taylor White, brought to you by our good friends over while I stare at the Komatsu equipment, which is this is why this is my second take, brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. Uh, today, I have with me somebody that uh, we were just kind of getting into it for the podcast that I, I really look forward to talking to, kind of does the same thing we have, has a pretty large following online as well too, Brian Dietz from uh, Bob Dietz & Sons Incorporate. Uh, Brian, thanks for coming out today.
0: Yeah, super excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, we were kind of just chatting beforehand on how we kind of just may have uh, appeared in each other's social media ecosystem.
0: How did this kind of
1: come about the business? Maybe explain and start with who you are and what you do
0: yeah, so uh grew up in the business. My father started the business back in the uh, early seventies uh really got going by the mid seventies and uh so I grew up just climbing on machines and sitting behind the seat of the dozer uh so it's it's been in my blood since since childhood so you know it's an exciting industry to be in as a kid because you you grew up with tonka toys and your Playing in the dirt. And then that passion just doesn't go away as you, you know, you turn it into a career. So it's been a super cool life. It's exciting to see now another generation coming in with our family. The kids are getting to that age where they're starting to get involved. And, you know, as a family business, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting life when it works. It doesn't work for everybody, but for those that it does work for, it is uh, it's an amazing opportunity and advantage, I think, that you have.
1: Oh, 100%. I always say that as well, too. Because I'm sure that, you know, maybe you got it when you were younger, maybe your kids coming up or the family, the next generation that you speak about coming up is they'll definitely get the, uh, oh, uh, their business was here and, you know, Silver Spoon. And, you know, I definitely have dealt with that my whole life. Well, your family had a construction business. And exactly what you said was it's a massive opportunity. And that's what I saw as well, too. It's like, well, listen, I mean, that's what I always say to the people. Well, half the time I ignore them now, but I could have sat. And been a seven to five employee for my family, and my dad would have been just as happy doing that as well. He just wanted to see me do whatever I wanted to do to make me happy. But instead, I acted on that. I took my own take on it from where it was. We grew that. So, did you get any kind of part of that? Like, did you get some of that blowback?
0: Yeah, I mean, you still get it today. You know, the must be nicer's, and and it is. The reality is, it is nice because not everybody has that opportunity. So, no, uh, I always joke with. Dane Cotton. When someone says it must be nice, you just say it is. That's the reality. It is nice. But uh, along with that comes a ton of work. My brothers and I, we worked our entire lives around this business. It was summer vacations. It was Saturdays and Sundays. And it was, you know, from sunup or before until after and whatever it took in between. And, you know, I think a business or any career, any hobby, anything is it's you get out of it what you put into it. So if you see someone that's doing well, it's because they're working their butt off to get there. It's not something that just happens on its own. There are things that come along, we're in the right place at the right time, but a lot of it is what you make of it. So, you know, my dad taught us to work hard. He taught us to invest personally, learn as much as you can, you know, become a proficient operator, appreciate the labor side of things, respect the relationship with the customer and with the architects and engineers and GCs and all of those things that when you put all that together and then you have multiple people on the same page in a family, you know you become quite a force in the community or even just a support for the community you know it's something that stands out as special
1: you're dead on. I always say it that you know like our team internally we have such a like my operations manager is my cousin, I work with my father, my wife's in the business, my cousin and I have another cousin who works in the field, and that I don't know what the right word is, but just like the culture, the way you can mesh with family. I always say that that's our strongest asset is our team, but the team being a lot of family as well too. And just that makes us, like you said, like it creates such a dynamic that that's what makes us successful at what we do. So I really relate to that.
0: I totally agree. I think the ones that struggle are the ones that compete against each other instead of looking for your strengths and then allow the other person to fill the void with their strength. And sometimes it's like, Two people, one guy's a little better, but maybe he's younger. And so there's this weird competition that is just like, I mean, to me, if you're competing against yourself, if you're doing that because you're a team. So why would you not allow the one person to shine in one area and you shine in another area? And now you have a team. You look at any team sport, there's no one person that makes that goal wins or loses. You win together or you lose together. And so when you bring that team spirit to a business and then you add that family element, Just not everybody gets that. Some people just, you know, and it's not for them, and that's fine too. But for us, it's worked really well working together. And just you have such a solid foundation of trust and a common goal that, you know, you can work together and you understand each other's needs and each other's value. I mean, when you're bragging on each other as opposed to picking on each other behind each other's back, and you don't even realize how you're undermining your business by picking on another team member to a customer or to a, an architect, or whoever, even to just amongst the team. So when you instead, when you're on the positive side, and when you're just you know really thriving on each other's strengths, that to me is a, it's awesome environment to work in. Like you know, we spend most of our lives at work. We get these little breaks. I see you're in Florida right now, and it's nice to get little breaks. But most of our lives are revolving around work, and I feel bad for those that don't have an environment that they're enjoying every day. For me, I love work. I love going to work. And a lot of it is the environment that you create. So for us, it's it's worked really well.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of the similarities because I preach the exact same stuff when I speak. I look at it as such a privilege that I get to go to work every day with my father and my family. And even just not even just people who are family, but just the team that we have and the way that we are in our office and in the field, like just like you said, like you're just ragging on each other You can talk to each other transparently and open and freely. There's no behind guys back stuff. We go for our lunches or, you know, we do this, we go on, we have the team building uh, trip, team bonding trip. And I just, sometimes I sit back and I'm like, man, like imagine being on a team where you don't have this. And I'm biased maybe because it's our business, but it is, you're right. Like it is like, I look at it. Like I am so privileged that I get to do this for a living.
0: I mean, it's pretty special. I was talking with uh, our mechanic the other day and, you know, he's like, it's cool that you have, you and Tony have this relationship that you can be business partners, but also like, you know, if he sees one truck pulling a boat, the other trucks behind it, we're going to the lake together. We vacation together. We go to dinner together. Our wives are best friends. You know, like all of that stuff is so important. It's pretty rare, but you know, that's, again, it's what you put into it. If you're going at that relationship with jealousy, you're not going to succeed. But if you just value each other, I think it is a unique thing. Not everybody can attain that. Like, You know, having personalities that work together. But for us, it's been phenomenal because we don't waste time on the little stuff that just can divide you and sink your ship. The focus is on positivity and moving forward. And what do the crews need? And what does the business need? And what does it take to make sure that we're there for our customers and provide that service? And like when your focus is on that, the rest just kind of succeeds without. But when you're distracted with that, anyways. We're talking a lot about negative stuff, but it's cool when you can find what does work for you. And for us, it's been such an advantage. So
1: what does your business focus on solely? Like, so you said Tony. So Tony is your brother?
0: Yep. He's my brother, two years older than me.
1: So what do you guys focus on as far as work-wise? Do you guys do uh, site prep, residential, commercial?
0: We do. You know, in the past, we were real heavy on residential and we still are. We have uh, two crews that are dedicated to residential work. And they'll cross over into small commercial stuff it just happens warehouses and little um you know we're doing like a rental store right now and some even some like housing and different things like that that's not solely residential like we're doing a, a senior community right now, so that residential crew that kind of crosses over there and then we have a couple of commercial crews that focus on the bigger stuff, and we're really growing that side of the business more. you know we're pretty well set up with equipment and technology now that we really can get on that bigger site. Well, for us is bigger, smaller for some guys, but relatively, you know, they're bigger for us and we can thrive in there. You know, when you have GPS going and you have your site modeled and you get multiple rovers running around and that you know, the you technology and the equipment, you can just, you just walk through the work. And so being able to put two or three crews on one big commercial site and bounce them in and out as needed, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, that's, to me, it is more fun. Like, I'm really enjoying that side of things. The residential stuff, a lot of guys are like, it's easier. I actually think it's harder.
1: Management side of it, I think it's harder.
0: It is easier because it's smaller and you go out and you're putting a little pipe in or you're doing something, but you're going there with no design. You are the design. The options of how you do it are so, you know, it's open ended and you encounter so many different trades, even within your own trade in that day. You you have to do so. You have to bring all this extra equipment and tools, and there's just a lot. You're making a thousand extra decisions a day. Whereas in a commercial world, or even the bigger residential stuff, housing stuff, it's design, and you just build to the design. And so you have you know, with a good site super, you can walk through those projects because if you know your prints, you know you follow in that design. Someone already thought it all through. So I think on the management side, even like scaling your business, it's hard to scale a residential business beyond a certain point because it's just there's so many office hours and management hours that go into you know you're you're in this small space and it's hard to grow that so you can add extra crews but then each crew needs more office staff whereas the commercial side three or four members of your office can handle multiple projects and those projects can be the bigger scale and you can have a lot of crews over there so for us it just it makes sense to be growing that commercial side and i have more fun with bigger equipment and bigger dirt and you know it's just it's just more exciting. So.
1: I would say that the residential, like what you said, it's not possible to scale. It's possible to scale, but you peak at some point because, like you were saying, like for us, like we were the same. We had two crews just always doing residential. We were kind of sitting around 12, 14 guys. The thing with residential, why I say it, it's like almost more management work is because. I mean, we could be in and out in three days for digging. Okay, now we got to leave. Concrete guys got to come back in. So now we got to line up another residential to go to while we wait for the concrete. Then we go back. We backfill the septic. Then we leave again. Then we come back. It's a lot of planning. So it's a lot of management. But then also we want to grow. You want to get up like that's a lot of residential work that you need. And it's so much scheduling and planning. And so much estimating where the- Site
0: visits and yeah.
1: Exactly. Where we found that the bigger jobs, it was, okay, I know that I got guys on that job for the next five and a half weeks, and then they're going to go flip back over to our other commercial, which will be ready. And they're there for six weeks. So as far as planning and scheduling, I found that the commercial is just the way to go for that. And it is scalable because you can get bigger clients, you get bigger machinery, you can do more. We are in the same boat.
0: Yeah, and the commercial sites allow you to set up. You go there, you get an office trailer. You, we got Connex boxes with offices built in them. You put additional Connex boxes. You've got fuel tanks. You've got all your stuff. So you have all your inventory. You can order materials in stages. And like, if you want to be an efficient company, that is a space that you can thrive. It's a day-to-day in the residential world. Uh, and so much, you're sharing that space with so many other trades. And on the commercial side, you can kind of schedule it out and, you know, If you're a good communicator, we try really hard to support the GC, to support the site super, make sure that we're thinking through, you know, there's the whole go into the Dirt World Summit, listen to Jocko talk and about, you know, leading up the chain. There's an amazing amount of success I've seen in our world from being able to lead, which means support whoever you're getting direction from, give them everything that they need in order to make decisions. So, you know, go with with your schedules, go with your your ideas. Like, Hey, I know, you know, on your three week look ahead, you have this and then this and then this, what if we swap that? Because it helps you, you know, we're not trying to cross this trench with your guys loading sheetrock instead, you know, so be that support for your GC. It makes your site super love you. You enjoy working with him. It makes the project smooth, makes it profitable. It's sustainable, all that stuff. So like, you know, just working together. And so the bigger sites allow that when you go to smaller sites, it's like, constantly new people. Again, the GC on the single house site, he's wearing so many hats, he's struggling to keep all that organized. And it's not set up like there's when there's crews on sites, it's more of our style, like just to be as organized as can be and make sure that we're supporting everybody and working with everybody and be as flexible as you can. That that stuff really, it means a lot to us of who we are and trying to be the partner on projects.
1: So what do you focus mainly on them? Because you sound very like you're educating yourself on leadership or you sound super organized and efficiencies. What's your kind of role in the business or what do you like doing in the business versus what Tony would be doing?
0: You know, growing up, you know, you did everything. It was a small business. It was my dad and a couple of laborers or a couple of operators, depending on truck drivers and different things like that. And it was always, you know, anywhere from one to 10 employees at different stages of time throughout our lives. You know, I always loved running an excavator. That became my thing. And I, I could run, you know, we had backos and skid steers and dozers and, you know, all the different machines, but I just loved being an excavator. And to this day, I still love running an excavator. And so I think if you love something, you're going to you have a higher percentage of becoming really good at it and you want to be there. So you care about the work and you, your end result is a little better. So we've always tried to do that. Like if someone likes something, leave them there as much as you can. So I kind of became the excavator guy. Tony became the dozer guy. My brother, Joe, who worked with us up until two years ago, his whole life. And now he's working, selling um, Topcon GPS equipment. Just wanted a different path. He's our sales rep. So that's a a pretty good. I guess you use Topcon. (laughs) (laughs) If you got to leave, that's not a bad thing. And he's doing very well. We're excited for him. And so he kind of was the laborer, which led to layout, which led to GPS Extraordinaire. So then, as the business grew, you kind of maintain those roles. So, you know, I would handle the difficult excavations. We'd have operators that would do the, you know, more of the routine work. And then, if we were around tight utilities or we were in the street, we were in something deep, or whatever, I would handle that. And Tony, he's two years older than me. So he, as we were transitioning with my parents running the business, he got into estimating meeting with customers and just kind of took that role on. And then as it's scaled, that's kind of been handed off a lot of that to. You now we have a, you know, we've got estimators and we've got guys going out in front and meeting. Once they go out and meet a customer, a large part of my role currently is to go and kind of nurture that relationship and see how we can support them and see what other needs they have, if we can fill them. And so, you know, just kind of getting out in front of the project or even the, as the bids go in, go out and meet with people and explain, make sure that they understand what it is that we're bidding and and what our capabilities are and the benefits of, you know, if our price is a little higher, what, why is it higher? This is what you get. We can keep you on schedule. There's a value there. You know, if, if our support and our communication and our, you know, the way we work together is going to be better experience for them, then it's worth more money. You know, you get what you pay for and everything. So we're not always the lowest bid. We try to be, you know, we try to not overcharge. That's the things, name of the game. But it's, you know, it does cost more to support a larger inventory of equipment and that whole relationship. So, and it's working. We're 48 years in business this year, which is, you know, so mind blowing. It's, it's very exciting, you know, and, you know, I'm only 44. So I've, I've only been here for part of that, but it's exciting to see it continue to grow. So that's kind of my role. Still out in the field a lot. Last few months has been a lot of office for me, which has been a little bit of a shift, like almost 100% office. Not really used to that. I really have a passion for being boots on the ground, in the dirt. And I feel like I thrive on solving problems. I love to see, is there a more efficient way we can do this? Is there, you know, for moving dirt from here to there, and then it's going to move over there? Is there a way that we can just move it one time? So there's a lot of that stuff that Tony and I were on the phone together most of the day if we're in the field or whatever we're doing. So we're just that constant communication keeps us on the same page. And it allows the guys to bounce stuff off either of us. And it's not like you've got two divided leaders with two different agendas where it keeps us on the same page and really working together. So, you know, it it makes it easier on the guys because it's not that confusion of like, you know, the whole go to mom for this and go to dad for that kind of thing, you know? (laughs) So you exactly get the same thing from both of us and we're we're on the same page we've been trying to unify the crews in that way with our meetings we now have again we learned a lot at that dirt world summit a lot of things that i feel like we were doing and there was a different twist on like how to apply like we had that goal already we were already trying to do it. and it was like well try and do it this way we saw huge value and wh- one of the things was just we started implementing a Zoom meeting every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. No matter where anybody is, pull over, get prepared, whatever, but log in and the whole company's there.
1: So foreman's, management. Everybody.
0: Everybody, everybody all the way down to labor's, everybody. Really? There. Yeah, the whole company. And, and when you go over? So.
1: Projects, current projects, forecasting projects.
0: A little bit. It's almost more on a higher level. Like we talk about, you know, who we are, like why we're trying to do certain things, different processes that we're trying to put in place. Big picture, you know, like, how do we try to think of specific things we've talked about? How do we create um, a assembly line, consistent product in an industry that everything changes every day? You know, the way to do that, in my eyes, is you have to have standard operating procedures that then apply to a thousand different circumstances. But if you have a process for the way that you put pipe in the ground, always, then you can apply that in different ways. But if every time you put pipe in the ground, it's different. Or if the way your crews are structured, the way that you, how you handle your tools, where do you get your tools from? You have to create all these processes. We created a tool crib. So now we have a tool crib for common tools and we have tools assigned to crews, machi- machines assigned to crews, trucks, all that stuff. So they have their tools. And then if you need, if there's a tool, that's a specialty tool that's shared between, you know, chainsaws. Not everybody needs a lot of chainsaws. Every crew has a chainsaw in their truck but if you're going to go do clearing here's where you go to get those tools but then they go back like just all the different processes of like how to be increase that efficiency those are great meetings to talk through how you do that stuff i'm i'm drawing a little bit of a blank on some of the topics right now
1: it's all good so then ultimately you know we do a management weekly round meeting every wednesday we've been doing that for a year and a half lots of value then We recently, just before Christmas, we're like, okay, we need to start doing a meeting with all foremans and management to talk about the project and what's going on. Now, what you're saying, I really like as well, too, because what you're saying is everybody across the board, and we're talking on a higher level of what we're actually, what is Bob Deeds and Sons? What are we? What do we do? How do we make it better in these meetings? And are you asking for their, who's driving it? Driving it and listening to them, are they kind of driving it? It
0: depends on you know the the agenda for the day. So on Monday, an agenda goes out that just says like he, you know, it is are topics we're going to talk about, so that at least they they can get in the right headspace for like, oh, we're talking about safety. Have time tomorrow. to think about Great. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, this is a newer thing for us. This has only been a couple months. No, totally. So, but it's in that agenda. If we're looking for feedback, I will put that in there. Hey, I'd like to talk about lessons learned tomorrow. So. Come up with some lessons learned that you've, you know, recently discussed in your debrief. So that's another thing that Jocko we learned from them. You know, in the Navy SEALs, they have their brief in the before a mission, right? Debrief. And you go out, you do the mission, and then you have a debrief. We implemented a debrief. So anytime you're changing tasks, like if you're putting pipe in and now you're going to go to digging footings, when you're done with your pipe, you meet as a crew, you discuss, outline your goals for the day, what you're trying to accomplish, how you're going to do it, who's going to do it, you know, what are the risks. How are you going to mitigate that risk? Everything that you have, put everybody on the crew, not just the foreman and the crew leader, everybody. Because when you go out to lay the pipe, the guy that's getting the fittings out realizes you don't have enough fittings because he knows your goal is to put 700 feet of pipe in or 100 feet of pipe and seven laterals, right? So you need seven Y's in that line. If he's only got three, right away, he knows it's a problem. And then at the end of that task, you have your debrief. So again, we outlined... 100 feet of pipe with seven laterals and blah, blah, blah. We ran out of fittings at after three. What happened? Well, then you go through that. Okay, this is what, but now the whole crew is aware. We all had a goal. We missed our goal. Why did we miss our goal? If we had identified the guy that pulled the fittings out of the Connex box and put them in the gator, that we were short because he was a part of that meeting, right? He's going to take ownership of that. If he had identified that, probably by one o'clock, we could have had fittings on that job. And they would have kept going, but instead they had to switch gears. So that debrief has been amazing for us in just evaluating the day, putting everybody on the same page. And if you had a near miss, if you had an accident, if you had something, it's the time to identify that, talk about it, fill out your reports. You know, the foreman's already doing his paperwork. He's doing his daily sheets. So you're just doing that as a crew. You're evaluating what you did as a crew and it puts everybody on the same page. And we've seen it's just tremendous for them the following day, picking up and not repeating the same issues. So then even in our big crew meetings or company meetings, some of those lessons learned, if there was a value like, hey, you know, like we've been talking about when you set a frame and a uh, curb inlet, they're awkward to handle and they're, they're kind of hard to pick up. And so we've been talking like, you know, I, we've been keep throwing it around just as an example of like, how do we solve this? Is there a way other than just putting a strap or a chain or forks or, Two guys grabbing it and setting it. Is there a way to like do they make a lifting setup for that? And we haven't found it yet. But it's something that keeps coming up. It's allowing the whole company to work on solving a problem. And there's there's a few of them that repeatedly are coming up where it's like, hey, this is what we've been doing. This is what our crew's doing. The goal is really that lesson learned would transfer to other crews in the crew meeting so that they don't have to learn it the hard way themselves if they had a near miss and for whatever the reason is, you know, you know, we're working over on this side and the and the sighting guys just—they're just running their lull around, and they—they're almost running into us, or they backed into a van. Okay, we'll tell everybody and the whole company. So if you come on that site, you know that there's a risk over there with that lull operator. He's a, a danger. So it just kind of puts everybody on the same page, and you can—you can educate, you can—you know, again, work, talk about your workload, talk about exciting things coming up. We just recently hired a couple guys. We talked about that. It allowed us to kind of interview a little bit in front of the whole company. This is the guy that's going to do some project management and estimating. Here's his background. We're in the process of buying our first quarry. And so we're able to talk about Gee. that with the guys. So that was a very, you for know, you. it's an exciting thing. But to, you know, to kind of share that to the whole company at once, everybody's like, oh, this is you know something you're working on for a year behind the scenes. And then it's like revealed. It's super, super exciting. So that meeting has just been really big. We, with the holidays, we missed it a couple of weeks kind of delayed it just with short weeks. With some people being off, I didn't want to make it. But I'm excited to get that rolling again. It's just, uh, it's been really valuable to us. A lot of what Jocko talked about at the summit was, you know, just being that team. In the SEALs, they, when they make a bad plan and they go out and execute it and somebody gets shot in the face, they know immediately that they had a bad plan. A lot of times we can just continue with subpar operations and bad planning. Because we don't see the consequences immediately, but it will sink our ship. And in time, someone will get hurt, or we will, you know, we're just not profitable and the company starts to suffer, which means you can't buy equipment and tools, provide quality income for your guys in a good benefits package. And because you're not being efficient, it takes a lot to keep this stuff running at a high level of efficiency and profitability. You know, it takes the whole team working together to do that. So it's not just the top, it is the guy at the bottom, you know if you put everybody in a, on a list, they are just as important in that success. So a new guy that we find, every time I have a meeting and someone's working on that site that wasn't in that meeting, we just kind of shot ourselves in the foot because as soon as you go out, you, what are you gonna have another meeting, a shorter meeting with less information in it for that guy? So we're just trying to group people in. The more we group them in, the more that they're a part of the team and that they can grow. You know they're on the same page with their foreman because he has a goal outlined for the day. They're aware of that goal and they're a part of the process to kind of solve that. So it's been a little bit different for us because it is definitely you know when when you have that Tuesday morning and you see all those screens pop up on Zoom and and you're like this is a lot of people sitting right now on the clock. Um, That's what I was thinking. Of. If you're counting dollars, you're correct. It's money. You're bleeding money. However, we feel that it's money well spent. You're investing in your team and you're building a team. I mean, if you look at any team sport, they have a huddle, right? They get together. They discuss what they're going to do next. In some sports, it's every single thing they do, they all come together. And then they execute it. They come back together. They execute it. If you're not doing that, how can you possibly be successful? How can you work together and accomplish the same goal if this guy just comes in, gets in an excavator, and goes over there, and that guy's over there? They're not even pals. You bring everybody together. Everybody starts to become a family, and you're working together. And we actually have Multiple guys in our leadership that now their kids work here. One guy, awesome. two of his sons work here, and another foreman, his sons working here now. And to me, that's it's exciting on a couple levels. One, they look at this company as a good place to bring their family. That means that you know we're winning. You don't bring your kids into something that you don't believe in, and it's also something that tells me that they're hopefully planning to stick around a while themselves, which you know gives us consistency and continuity, and that's huge for growth.
1: One hundred percent. I think the way that you're thinking overall is what will and is creating your success because just the way you speak on a higher level, it's super interesting and very smart because you're just thinking out of the norm of what everyone else is. And and I'm much like yourself. Like I like that idea. Like I like when I hear that. It's like okay, well, that's different. Not many other people are doing that. People can talk about how they think everybody's a team and we're one big happy family. But it's like, well, are you? Are you really? And I've always questioned that for so long when we first started getting on social media and, you know, you'd see people like big corporate companies post about how they're a family and they're this and that. And it's just like every construction company was was using the word family. We're one big family. We're one big family. And I'm like, but you're not like you're not. And that's why we try to do team building stuff and we have to camp day and then we do all our parties. And I mean, we're a group of small guys and girls. We're like 26, 27. So it's easy to kind of have that close, Nick. But I think what you're doing is you're creating it so that you can grow at scale, but also keep and remain that core value of, hey, although we may all not see each other every day here, we're still all incorporated. Uh, your ideas matter. We care. And we're not just meeting with just management because, oh, well, we're here and you're here. We're meeting with you because we're all doing the same goal. If you succeed, I succeed. If I succeed, you succeed.
0: 100%. Yeah. I mean, you have to value every member of your team if you do. And, you know, the other thing is, like, you got to be willing to go do their job. And there's a lot of days where we go out and do whatever they're doing. You're not better than anybody else. Like, we cannot succeed. We cannot. It is impossible for us to succeed on the level that we're trying to succeed without every single one of these guys and the support of their wives and their family. Like, if if you don't have that, if their wife doesn't like you because you're, they wanted to go on vacation and you're like, nope, you can't go. Again, you're just hurting yourself. Like, that's not sustainable. The guy's not happy. Doesn't want to be there. Now, obviously, they can't go on vacation once a month, and you know, there's an investment on the other side too. But when you find a way to include them in things. When we went to Con Expo this time where was about 12 of us went out. It's expensive. Nice. It's a lot of money going out to take them. It's an expense. To put them all up. Yeah. yeah. It's an expense to go out there and, and stop work for that week and, you know, flights, the whole thing. But the benefit of them going out and you, you're taking some key players that are, one, excited to be there. I mean, Con Expo is like the best thing. It's like going to the candy store. It's just as exciting as can be. But also like, we assign different guys that have different strengths. Like, hey, can you look into shoring? You know, you're working around that a lot. Can you go see what shoring we need to be investing in? Whatever it is, you know, like, you know, you're here for the week, find time to just track that down. If you come up with some cool stuff, come back with a couple of business cards or websites we can look at or suggestions or flyers, whatever, and see what you can benefit from that. And that they're now included in the future of the business, the growth, the excitement. And I think, you know, they're not just, an employee. They are a team member. And when you're a team, man, it changes everything. It really does. And it, a lot of people can say, like you're saying, as a family, but if you can find a way to actually nurture that and do that, and maybe they are, that is it's huge.
1: So what was the reasoning and how did you amass a following on social need? Like explain that side of who does it first of all, and then How did you get to where you are? Because, I mean, that alone is super impressive and I imagine helps with culture and hiring as well, too.
0: I do the social media, which is, you know, kind of crazy. It's a it's a fair amount of work, as you know,
1: Yeah, it is
0: the idea behind it was, you know, the location we're at in the Hudson Valley, New York, it's fairly rural. We're an hour and a half north of Manhattan. We have a lot of city influence, but it is by far not built up. It's beautiful countryside. And so we get projects that are just back in the woods and no one knows we're back there. And as the business is growing and our abilities are growing and our, you know, no one knows that. So to me, it was a way to showcase who we are in the beginning. It was, I I mean, I never thought it would go where it's gone um, (laughs) or open the amount of doors that it's opened. It's been just tremendous for our growth. It's made work even that much more fun. Not just the social media side, but like the relationship side. And the, I mean, I live, we have customers that are just excited to have us on a site or have customers that are excited that we brought a s- specific machine because they're watching and they're like, oh, the machine, you know, the new excavator with the end cons here. And they're like, oh, or I have other ones that are like, hey, how come is my, you know, my job's not good enough to have that machine here. And you're like, oh, it, yeah. is. it just doesn't, you know, it's different or whatever. So, yeah, the idea was post some pictures kind of showcase who we are. I've always thought that we stood out a little bit just in our process for a couple of things. I thought our family business was special. Um, not everybody can do it. So I thought that that was special. And then I thought the fact that we take care of our equipment and keep it really clean, regardless of how many hours get on them, I thought that was pretty special. And then I thought that our relationship with John Deere for three generations was pretty special to be able to stick with a certain manufacturer, get that same support. I thought that there was value there. So, kind of like, compiling that together, you know, John Deere is a family business. They started an ag and went into construction. My family started an ag as dairy farmers and then moved into um, when the milk industry fell apart in the sixties, sold the cows. And then my father got into excavating. And the last John Deere tractor from the farm was traded on the first John Deere dozer And that was a pretty cool thing. So like the whole John Deere story and connection there has been just solid. And we have other, we've got all kinds of other machines too. We've got Cat and Komatsu and you've got a case roller and different things. So, you know, we work with other manufacturers, some Kubota stuff, but primarily we, you know, we're John Deere company. So I thought just, you know, kind of showcasing a little bit of who we are. And that really came a little bit later on in the beginning. It was just trying to show that we've grown. We're not that you know, a little backhoe service that the company was back in the day and, and we can handle different projects. And um I think I've always wanted to be a bigger company, you know, just have a longer line of trucks and more excavators lined up. It's just exciting to see, you know? I agree. Uh, so in order to get there, you you gotta be able to market yourself. And it was a way that to market yourself locally and people could see it. And and then it just started growing. It really took off when we partnered with Deer a few years ago and just started kind of getting a lot more exposure that way. You know, that's opened up a ton of doors, working with engineering and different CAGs on future excavators. And that's um, cool. We've had prototype machines on the site and, no way. Um, you know, just really cool stuff that to me, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity that just doesn't come along to everybody. It's been exciting because you you have such a passion for these machines and for the work. So to be able to meet and tour the factory and meet the people that are building it and the team behind it. And it's just wild. That's, that's super. uh, Yeah. I mean, it it means the world to us to be able to go and see that stuff and meet those people. And so to think that like, we are special in any way, I I never think of it that way. I just, you know, we're just an end user that cares about the machine and we take care of it, but we got to tour the one Kernersville factory, North Carolina, where they build the excavators. They built from a one twenty. 130 now up to the 470 this is a other than the RTS machines they build all those machines there and we got to meet with a bunch of people and it was wild to be able to share our experience we got interviewed in one part of the trip and uh we actually had people tearing up because they never really realized they you know they got this job in this back little corner of the factory and for 18 years they're doing whatever their process is over and over and over and over and over and over for 18 years but they never really met a customer that said, my reputation, my, who I am is because of your building a quality product that doesn't break down. And we're known for being reliable because our machines don't break down. That's why we stick with deer there. It's a good machine for us. But that lady who's been doing that for 18 years, she made a difference and she, you know, so it, I mean, social media opened up those doors that we never, never thought would open, never have that opportunity to, you know, to shake her hand or meet with engineers and different things that way. And then working with um, like go- going out to con expo and working in the booth, you just hanging around the booth, even just working with the different yeah. machines and deer had so many new machines out this time. But the whole con expo experience is just like, I don't know. I think our whole life when we were kids, early eighties, my dad went to his first con expo, John Deere flew him out there and took him to con expo. And so like growing up, it was like, wow, dad got to go. And it was like this, you know, dreamy place with like just fields full of equipment and sort of grow up kind of dreaming about it and then going. And we've been to, I don't know, five or six now. It's cool. And, and to be honest, a lot of what we learned there has completely shaped our business. The technology we see there, every time we come back and you're like, okay, we're going to go that direction. We're going to add this, you know, we bought our GPS equipment based on Con Expo. But I mean, I think the first rotating laser was because of an expo. And then, you know, it just yeah. kind of led from there and, and grew. I, he bought his first excavator because he saw it at 1985, bought a John Deere uh, 490 excavator because it was at Combo. He wow. so, came back and, you know, locally nobody had him. So, I mean, the show has been huge for, for us and just being educated. You know, when you, when you go to your local dealer, they can't possibly have all of the equipment available. And then, you know, that's just one dealer. That's just one brand, you know, but when you go there, they're all there and you get to see stuff from all around the world and interact with the people. I think what I didn't realize until maybe two con expos ago was the caliper of people that you're rubbing shoulders with in every booth. Yeah, you know, These are the people. This is not hired staff. There is some, but these are the people. If you have a question, I was in the booth one time and I'm like, I, I'm struggling with this one machine. It keeps overheating. And they're like, hold on. I went and got the engineer, the design, you know, he's responsible for that machine. And he's like, talk to me, you know? And so we go through the whole thing and he's like, well, when you open the hood, there's a piece of foam that's on the hood and it keeps the air from going <laughs> over the radiator has to go through it. And I'm like, "Yep, yeah, that's missing. And he's like, well, go get that piece of foam. And it, sure enough, we fixed it. And it's not something that the local dealer or mechanic may be aware of, but those guys, they, they get the reports. And so when you go to the show and you can meet those people, just. Tremendous, tremendous value for us just in, in being able to implement some of that stuff and, and grow the business.
1: I mean, you have such a grasp on the industry and you have such a, a love for it. Is there anything in the future that uh, you're looking forward to? Like what's big coming up for you guys?
0: Kind of the direction we're going is just difficult work. You know, once you get set up and you can handle stuff, then you can really go after the harder stuff. So deep utilities is something that's really appealing to us right now. Just stuff out in the roadways. Like I mentioned, we're getting, buying our first quarry. That's a whole new world for us. That's kind of exciting. So there's, you know, there's stuff that way. And then just, you know, just seeing the technology grow, it allows you to do so many things that you didn't think you were ever be able to do yeah. because you have the confidence, you have the answers right in front of you. It gives you such a boost of confidence that, you know, sometimes it takes a career to build that confidence. And by the time you've got it down, you don't have the energy to go do the work. I feel like we're still young. And so to have that capability and have that support, again, you just add into your team. I feel like every site that's got a a rover running around and, you know, great control in machines, it's like adding extra staff to that project. You're able to take on, you know, we're in the mid twenties with guys out in the field and I feel like we've got double the incapability. Like we're just, you walk through stuff because there's excavator guy. He's just hogging dirt, but he's never over excavating. You know, he's just loading trucks, but he's just, you he can just set a buffer and just doesn't go down close to final grade. So those are things that in the past, like it just was, it wasn't possible. You, you know, you just had people running around checking grades all the time. And I'll tell you, when you're, when you're running a grade stick, even the best of guys go up when they're supposed to go down and it can mess things up and create frustration. And, you know, there's a whole lot of math every day in your head. Whereas this is to us, we always say it's a different hard. It's not necessarily easier. It's a different hard. It's a lot of work up front to get your project model, to get everything to go through everything and check it all, even encouraging our layout guys and our, and our foreman to, really walk through. If you're setting structures, you got to run through those numbers. Like you cannot trust that model completely. So it's a different heart. But then when you get out there and you know you're good, boy, you just walk through the work. So the productivity is just like unbelievable what you get done. You know, when you take a dozer, you're just cutting side hills to grade on a 45 degree angle. Like you can't go out there and check those grades. It's, It's hard to, how do you do that? You need total station or a surveyor coming out, putting stakes. And you just put it into design, first pass, you know, you go right down to grade and you're done. Your, your machines are running at full efficiency all the time because there's, there's no loss. There's no doubt in the operator's mind if he's on grade. Does he have to take more out or not? Just go right to grade and you're done. So, you know, when you hear people complaining about the technology and saying you're not a real operator, I, I get a kick out of that. I think it's hilarious. Classic. I, I absolutely love it because it's just, you know, it, it just shows that they're not a progressive person they don't understand the value of it there are zero negative comments on social media about technology from owners zero not one the only people that complain are people that feel threatened that they're replaceable because they haven't learned it or people that you know don't understand it but from an owner's standpoint from a leader standpoint from a productive foreman or crew leader you want that technology if you can afford it if you can find a way to get it on those machines boy it just pushes you to such another level so fast and really the learning curve isn't even huge if you have a layout guy that's already doing layout he's just like it's like handing him a cheat book you know he's just got all the cheat codes because it's all right there it's pretty wild so i mean you you know all that stuff it's exciting
1: Oh 100 percent yeah, and that that's what interests me for the future but uh I, Brian, I appreciate you coming on today man and uh, and chatting with us and I feel like I can we definitely have to do this one again because there's there's topics uh, that I really would love to cover with you but uh, I appreciate you coming on today, Brian.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun talking with you.
1: This uh, podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. Thank you very much, Brian, and we'll catch you guys later.